where do you go to find authenticity and truth? Nobody wants to talk about the skeletons in their closet, the nitty gritty, or the failures, all of which I believe are the most important parts of anybody's story of success. This is a place where we say what nobody else is saying. Truth with Tara, welcome to the fold. What's up, guys? You are listening to Truth with Tara, and today's episode is about moments of greatness. So most times, your moment of greatness doesn't necessarily equal what you wish it would be, but the key is how do you capitalize on it and recognize it for what it is? So think about a time in your life. Look back, actually, because hindsight is always twenty twenty. So look back in a time in your life where you say, man, those were the days, that was the time, that moment right there, that's a defining moment in my life. In fact, the decision I made in that season, in that moment, in that situation actually was a catalyst that turned me into the person I am today. It was a choice that I made then that is a result of who I am now. And for me, I look back um, in my life and, and I can think of a few instances in in, a, in an area or a situation in my life where there were definite moments of greatness. But um, I want to talk to you about one in particular today uh, because this particular moment of greatness for me in the moment seemed to be my biggest moment of demise. Um, and this was in 2012 when I was on The X Factor. So for those of you who don't know, don't confuse it with Fear Factor, which is the disgusting show where you eat all sorts of crazy things and get stuck in a box with snakes. That's not Fear Factor. That's not X Factor. That's Fear Factor. Um, X Factor was Simon, one of Simon Cowell's shows, and he um, did American Idol as well. X Factor was his second exploit, and um, X Factor was a nationally and internationally televised vocal talent competition. And let me tell you first why I ended up on X Factor, because it's kind of important, actually. Um, I wrote a song with a cousin friend of mine. And I say cousin friend because he wasn't blood cousin, but he was closer to me than my actual cousins. Um, his mother um, died of of a cancer, ovarian cancer, actually. But she was one of the most beautiful women I'd ever met. And so we wrote this song in honor of her called Beauty Queen. And she actually got to listen to it and hear it uh, before she died. She loved it. It was very well received. And people asked, can you make more music like this? And at the time, I couldn't afford to. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll start like a Kickstarter, you know, GoFundMe kind of project. And, and if I get enough money, I'll make more music like this. Well, I did start the project and it actually got overfunded. Um, I later came to find out that the two main benefactors, one was my sister, uh, who didn't tell me uh, that it was her until I was actually on The X Factor. And the second was a friend of hers um, named Bob Rasky. And Bob flew to Atlanta, which is where I was living at the time. And he took me to dinner and I'm thinking I'm all up in arms. Like I'm thinking, you know, nobody does this stuff like this for free. What does he want? You know, he didn't want any of my rewards that I offered on Kickstarter. What he wanted 
as he sat across the table from me at dinner was this. He said, Tara, I don't want any of your rewards. I said, well, what do you want, Bob? Because <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> at the time I was married. And uh, he said, I just want you to audition for every single one of these nationally televised uh, vocal competitions out there. And I said, I can't. And he said, why? I said, well, because I'm just starting my my business. At the time, I was just trying to really be serious about starting the coaching business. And I really can't afford to get to all these places. They're all over the country. You know, they don't always come to your city. <laughs> and he said, well, I happen to be a pilot and I will fly you there for free, wherever it is in the, in the country. And I thought, oh, gosh, how can you say no to that? So I said, okay. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this guy is kind of an elderly gentleman. He's not going to know, like, how many competitions there are. I'll do a couple to pacify him and then just move on. Because I don't really believe in that model. I never win anything. I'm the girl that everybody says, you should have totally won. And I never do. So why would I bother? And so I said, okay, I'll audition for a couple of them. And then <laughs> the next morning, he emails me an Excel spreadsheet of every single talent competition <laughs> in the U.S. for that year, the dates, times, and locations of all of them. And I was like, wow, I highly underestimated Mr. Bob Rasky. And now, as I'm a woman of my word, I'm going to have to go to all these things. So the first uh, audition I attended was actually in Atlanta, conveniently enough, and it was for America's Got Talent. And true to form, I sang the paint off the walls in the audition room and didn't get so much as a first callback. And as I'm leaving, I'm laughing to myself and I'm like, this is so pointless. Like, I, I don't want to be here. I don't even want to be on these shows. This is a clown show. They, they televise people who, in my opinion, most of them don't even deserve to be there. This is just ridiculous. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm annoyed that I said yes to this. Well, the very next audition was for X Factor. And then after that, it would have been The Voice. And for X Factor, I opted to audition in California because I thought to myself, well, look, if this guy is paying for me to go anywhere in the country, I may as well see a place I've never been to and maybe enjoy the sights and the scenery. Kill two birds with one stone, right? Business and pleasure. So I hopped on a plane to San Francisco about two weeks later and Bob actually decided that he was going to meet me out there. So we found ourselves in this stadium in Oakland and um, and I was auditioning with thousands of other people for The X Factor. And something interesting about that audition experience was that, you know, in, in big stadiums like that, um, I believe this was a basketball stadium, if I can remember correctly, um, there are two entrances for both sides of the teams and they're on completely opposite ends of the stadium. And one side was for if you got through to be called back and the other was if you did not and you went home. And so as I went down to audition, I I basically undersang. I sang um, the Lazy Song by Bruno Mars and then they asked me to sing another and I sang an original song and those two songs got me through. And as I walked to the side where you go if you get called back, who do I see standing in the opening but Bob? And I looked at him and I laughed and I smiled and I said, Bob, what would you have done if I didn't get called back? Like you would have been on the completely wrong side of the stadium. He goes, no, no, no. I knew that I was on the right side of the stadium the second I walked you in here. 
bless his heart. So sweet, his belief in me. And uh, callback after callback, I continue to go through. And then I found myself uh, in front of Simon Cowell, Britney Spears, L.A. Reid, and Demi Lovato uh, for the larger audition. Uh, about a month later, I came back to California and sang in front of about 10,000 people plus the judges and got through for that as well. And I really thought, wow, in that moment, I thought, this is my moment. This is my moment of greatness. Like, this is my shot. I can't believe I finally actually got through. And then I started to kind of want it, you know, because here's the thing about moments of greatness. Sometimes it's bigger than what we could have imagined. And so we sort of preemptively self-disqualify ourselves to have these said moments of greatness. It's kind of like a fish in a really small tank, right? There are certain fish that they will grow leaps and bounds and lengths and feet if given the environment to grow, right? If they're out in the open ocean, they'll get huge. But if they're in a small tank, they're only gonna get as big as their environment. And so this moment of greatness for me, it was in an environment that was larger than I had ever been in before. and. And I really kind of had to soul search and think to myself, wow, you know, maybe you didn't want this before because you couldn't imagine yourself in this moment of greatness. Maybe you thought it was too big for you, really. I mean, are you having a little case of false humility here or are you having a case of little fish syndrome? Because <laughs> you have the voice to and everybody's telling you you have what it takes and yet you are finding yourself in this place only now that you're in it can you bring yourself to want it and if i would have told a younger tara anything i would have told her this own your bigness and step into your awesomeness because you're both and I'm telling you the same thing right now as I digress in the story, like own your bigness and step into your awesomeness because those moments of greatness, they happen. And I was lucky enough and blessed enough to have it happen and teach me that I do deserve moments of greatness and and I do deserve to want big things. And so do you. But don't wait until you find yourself blessed in that environment, kind of by accident, by the hand of someone else's desires. Do it intentionally for yourself. And, um, and so as I'm there, I'm thinking, wow, this is my moment. This is my chance. I do want this. And I continue to progress and continue to progress in the show. I ended up making it to top six in my category, um, which was very far. And, um, and as the show aired, so you film all this content, right, before the show airs. And then in November... I remember the first night X Factor aired my part on the show. As soon as they put my image on the TV and I heard the music underneath my image and what I was about to sing and say, I knew that this was going to be really bad. I knew that they were going to portray me in a way that was not congruent with how I really was or who I really am. And this deep, like, sinking dark pit in my stomach started to form and I started to feel it. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, what are they doing to me? And what have I done to put myself in this position? And the only thing I could really think of 
and swirled in my head as I'm watching essentially like my life flash before my eyes in front of national television is this part in the contract that I signed to get through these rounds of X Factor, which says, and I do quote, we reserve the right to defame and defraud your character and likeness in any way we see fit, and you relinquish all rights to defend yourself, period, end quote. And as I read past that onto the other pages and pages of copy and then signed my name and my life at that time away, I thought to myself, well, that could never happen to me. What could they do to me? Why would they want to portray me in that way? I have no risk here of that happening to me. I'm a nice person. I'm a good person. And I'm a vocal competitor. So like, you know, what could go wrong? Well, I'll tell you what could go wrong. Um, Everything. <laughs> Literally everything. And I'll just give you an example. And, and if you want to look it up on YouTube, I've actually done a reaction to myself on X Factor to kind of debunk some of the things that that went on on the show that people think happened that did not. Um, so here's an example. In that audition that I said, oh, I was in front of Simon, Brittany, L.A. and Demi, um, my quote unquote first audition that you ever saw, even though that was about my seventh or eighth audition in real life. Um L.A. Reid asked me a question, and it went something like this. Hey, Tara, who do you want most to do a duet with in the music industry? And I answered, point blank, Christina Aguilera. Well, later that day, in the same suit that he was wearing, once I had even already left the stadium, um, L.A. Reid asked another person, who do you want to take out of the music industry? So what you ended up seeing on national television was L.A. Reid asking someone on the stage, who do you want to take out of the music industry? And they edited the person to be on the stage as me. And I was the one answering Christina Aguilera. So you heard LA say, who do you want to take out of the music industry? You saw me saying Christina Aguilera, even though my answer was not to that question. I was never asked that question. So pretty dirty, right? Um, but that is an example, just one small example at the very beginning of the experience of how they edited me the entire time, episode after episode. And so that moment of greatness, I thought I was about to experience and finally have turned into one of the moments of, at the time, my greatest demise, depression, um, destruction. And I thought, oh my gosh, this business, this coaching business that I'm trying to start, it's over. These mothers are mostly Christian homeschooling moms. They're going to see me on that show. They're going to see what they see, even though it's, it's edited and false. And they're going to completely take away their children and I'm going to lose business. And I remember my first student actually coming back from the show and coming and watching it being aired. I remember coaching the next day. And at the time I was coaching out, out of a church that I was currently attending. And um, I remember getting out of my car and the mother and her son, who I was teaching voice lessons to, was waiting there for me. And I thought, oh, dear God, here we go. Like they're going to they're going to spit in my face and walk away like that. I would, you know, it's terrible what what's being shown and it's not true, but it's terrible. And it's also believable. They did a really good job at editing it. And I remember getting out of my car and opening up my mouth to defend myself. And I remember Susan was the mother's name and she she put her hand up as if to stop me from speaking. And she said, Tara, please don't say a word. And I thought, oh, they don't even want me to speak. They can't stand me. Oh, my gosh. 
And she then said, we know your character. We know who you are. And we don't care what it looks like on television. We know that's not you. So we would like to continue lessons with you and actually did. And I never forgot that. And actually student after student, parent after parent, that's the same story I got. And so um, as time went on and, and I began to realize like I don't need to defend myself, even though I want to, I really want the world to know me for who I am and to know my true heart and not this, this horrible diva, like selfish, self-centered, uh, just wretched person that I could not stand to watch myself that they portrayed me as on X Factor, um, I realized that the people who knew me best and those who were truly in my corner, it didn't matter to them. And so I, I believe that in that also was a huge moment of greatness. But let me tell you, it's been almost 10 years since X Factor, okay? So fast forward almost a decade. I want to tell you this. I know I said twice so far that X Factor was supposed to be a moment of greatness, but it actually turned out to be a moment of demise. I'm going to reverse that once more and say it truly was, though, a moment of greatness. And let me tell you why. I believe, just like in a pandemic, there are two types of people. In moments of greatness, there are also two types of people as well as moments of demise, to be honest, any kind of situation like this, a highly charged, highly important situation, there's two types of people. You have the fighter or you have the flighter. That's it. There really isn't any in between. And just like on X Factor, I decided, look, I can't combat or fight the swarms of people worldwide who are sending me hate mail, death threats, Christina Aguilera fans. I am one of um, saying, I can't believe you want to take her out of the music industry. We're going to find you and slit your throat so you can never sing another note again. And they'd send me these things to my home address, people. Hello, scary. Um, I was worried for my family's safety. This was a big deal. It really was. And I could not, as one person, defend and deflect every single comment online. I mean, I was literally up against a humongous Goliath. There was no fair fight. And I didn't even have stones like David did in the sling. Okay. But I still did have a voice and I still did have music. And so I ended up saying to myself as this was airing, you know, I can't fight against this verbally, but I can sing about it. And so I made a song called Walk Away. I created a music video about it. And the song is about how, you know, you don't have to dig deep to get dirt on me, but guess what? He who has sinned, but guess, uh, I'm going to say, but guess what? But guess what? Is there anyone out there who claims to be a saint? Well, come on, step forward, grab your rocks and take, take your aim or drop your stones and walk away. Like nobody's perfect. I'm not either, but this is not how I really am. But you know what? You're not perfect either. So he who is without it, please step forward and come on and get me, you know, but I don't think you are. And that was the first of my experience of turning those deep, bitter lemons into lemonade. The other thing that made it a huge moment of greatness for me looking back on it was I took my experience, although it be poor and a negative one personally, and I taught so many students how to successfully avoid the pitfalls of editing and being poorly represented on 
those talent shows that are quote unquote reality TV. And I can I can proudly say that Tara Simon Studios, not just me, but my coaches as well, we have successfully placed students on every single talent show that is televised to date. The Voice, X Factor, America's Got Talent, American Idol, you name it, we've had students on it. And we've not had just students on them. We've had students place on them. Like I'm talking top 12, top 10. We've had one that placed second in America's Got Talent, Angelica Hale. She won the golden buzzer. We've had record-breaking students on these shows. And they have been successful because... They're talented in their own right, and they're really hard workers. But also, they hired me, and they hired my coaches, and we know what not to do (laughs) because I lived it. And I know exactly what it's like to have to strategically now do interviews. And I know how to ruin downtime so that the editors can't use it. And I know how to get what you want exposure-wise out of these shows. And I'm so grateful because I was able to take what could have been tragic and should have been a demise and turn it into not just a moment of greatness for me, I was able to turn it in to moments of greatness for my students who are like my kids, by the way, they're my babies. And that brings me so much joy, so much pleasure. And I, I couldn't honestly, at the end of the day, be more grateful now for going through that experience because I was able to save my students from the same fate. So there's someone very near and dear to my heart, and his name is Michael McIntyre. I met him recently this year at um, at a conference that he holds called Next Level Experience. And I'm going to talk to you guys in, in later podcasts a little bit more about that. Um, but Michael McIntyre is closely becoming really more like a family member to me than a coach, although I did hire him as a coach and it was the best money I've ever spent in my life on anything. Um, But he says, walking into things that scare you is how you reclaim your forgotten power. And I'm going to say that again, because I really want you to let that sink deep into your soul and into your spirit today. Walking into the things that scare you is how you reclaim your forgotten power. And it doesn't say lost power. It says forgotten power. And I want you to know that looking back on X Factor 10 years later, I can honestly tell you that I have walked into what scares me full force. And being on X Factor taught me to work hurt. It also taught me to run towards the things that scare you. And it definitely also thickened my skin because now I really honestly, whether you say something good about me or bad about me online, it does not affect my day, my spirit, or my smile. I continue on as if it never happened. And I used to think, wow, I'm really jaded. I'm really callous. But no, what I am is seasoned. What I am is a professional. And what I also am is someone who really knows who and whose they are now. And that's not dictated by your opinion or anyone else's opinion other than mine and other than the Lord's. So today, I want you to ask yourself again, like I started at the beginning of this podcast, what has been a moment of greatness in your life? What's been that pivoting point, that turning point in your life that had a lot to do with where you are today? It could be that that moment of greatness might be coming around soon again. Are you going to be ready for it this time? Are you going to be able to capitalize on it this time? Don't find yourself in a state of frenzy wanting or needing to pivot during that moment. Like, think about it for a second. What would you do with another defining moment in your life? What would you do with it? 
are you ready for one? Because just like that fish in the small tank, you can find a bigger tank. You can even get plopped into the ocean, but are you ready for your next moment of greatness? I really hope you guys enjoyed today's show. To become an official Terabyte, head over to Tara Simon Studios on YouTube and click the subscribe button. And don't forget to take a peek at the links and resources left just for you in the show notes of this podcast. And most importantly, spread faith, not fear, love, not germs, be a blessing in a stranger's life because that is how we change the world. I love you guys. I am so proud of you and I'll see you on the next one. Yeah.